Good morning, church. Good morning. You're very, very welcome to our service here at Living Hope Belfast this morning. Church, if you have any small children with you, kids' faces on. If you just go out the back doors and to the left, the kids are going to go out right from the start this morning. So if you want to take your kids out there, it's just through the doors and to the left. Church, as you can see, I'm a bit lonely up here this morning, so you're going to have to stand and help me sing this morning. So let's stand and worship. Praise the Father, praise the Son. 
praise Him. How great is our God? Can you say that this morning? How great is our God? How great is my God? Because it's personal. He died for you, the individual. Among all the millions upon millions of people in this world, Christ died for you. You can say that this morning. I can say it. Christ died for me. Praise him. He is worthy to be praised. We give you all the honor and all the worship. For you are our God. You are my God. And we lift you up this morning, Lord. We thank you from all this world, from everyone in this world, Lord, that you have chosen us as individuals to come before your throne, to be saved from our sins, for your son to sacrifice his life for us, and we have life eternal through the redemption of him. Praise him. Lord, we give you our honor and the glory that you're worthy of. Amen. Amen. Praise him. No matter where you go in this world, no matter where you find yourself, no matter what situation you find yourself in, our God is there beside you. Our God is able for every situation. And so we thank Rebecca for the praise and the worship this morning, all in our own up there. But God's good. God is worthy. Oh, there's no one like our God. Oh, just let that sink into your heart this morning. There's no one like our God. No matter where you are, praise Him. And I know we all find ourselves at times in situations and, and pearls and distresses and things would weigh us down. But remember, God has promised that He will never leave you. And in that situation, He is right beside you. He is going before you and he knows the next minute, the next second, the next day, the next hour that you find yourself in. And when you find yourself in those situations, look to the heavens, look to the hills. Not that the hills bring anything, but our God who reigns above all of this earth, over all the powers of darkness, over all the things that would pull you down, our God reigns. He will supply your need. He understands how you're feeling. He knows where you're at. And he will supply that need that you need in your life right now. Not, not waiting until tomorrow, but right now. Praise God. Praise him. He is worthy. I, I was reading through some Psalms and, and, and work of all places. Uh, but I couldn't get away from Psalm 100. It, it, just, it just blessed me yet again. And I'm going to read that this morning. And, and the, the title of my Bible is A Song of Praise for the Lord's Faithfulness to His People. Isn't God faithful to His people? And if He is, then He deserves our praise. And I was to stop there. That would be more than enough. He is faithful, so He is deserving of our praise. And again, I'm going to say, I don't know how you come here this morning. But just feel a freedom in your heart to praise God internally. If you want to say something out, outwardly, say it outwardly. If you want to raise your hands, do that. Just give God the praise that he's worthy of this morning. We're going to read this psalm. Make a joyful noise. 
Sorry. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. So it doesn't matter whether you're Adam the first man or you're going to be the last man, God's truth, his faithfulness endures right through all the generations. Verse 1 to 4, I'm told there are seven commands, seven desires that we should do. And verse 5 speaks of why, how great our God is. I'm told that this psalm is part of the daily prayer ritual in the synagogue. So every day, when David wrote this psalm, the early scribes said that we should sing this psalm as part of our daily ritual. One rabbi, a guy called Hirsch, I think that's the right pronunciation, he said that this psalm would be sung right until the Messiah returns and makes everything perfect on this earth. We know, we know that our Messiah has already returned. We know that he died on the cross. And that's why we're here this morning, gathered around the table to remember his death and to give thanks to him for what he's done in each of our lives. We're to come with a joyful noise. Sometimes that's not easy given our circumstances. But we come not with a joyful noise, but with a voice of triumph. Triumph because as we've just been singing, Christ overcame death and the grave, and through him, our sins are forgiven, and we have eternal life. We have to enter his gates with exceeding joy because of what he has done for us in our lives. Are you thankful for what Christ has done for you this morning? Can you put a smile on your face to show the Lord how thankful you are? That's how we should come. With a joyful, triumphant thanks unto the Lord. In verse 3, we read that the Lord, He is God. You can go into cathedrals. You can see statues. You can see people praying to statues. But there's only one God. Only one God who is our creator, who is our provider, who is our benefactor. It says in that verse, we are the sheep of his pasture. Not only do we belong to him, but he also provides us with a pasture to feed off. How great is our God? It's not just a one-time experience, but there's an old hymn or chorus that goes, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Is that the way your life is? Can you say each day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before? 
Because I've got to be honest, these past five or six years, that's the way I, I now feel. God has been so good to me. God is so blessed that I just want to give him thanks as you want to give him thanks. We're to enter his gates. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel were only allowed in the outer courts. But they were told, even though they were only in the outer courts, that they give thanks to God. Only the chief priest, excuse me, Only the chief priest was allowed into the Holy of Holies in the most court. We come this morning, and not only are we in the innermost court, but we are every day in the presence of our God. He looks down upon us, and every day he looks for, he is deserved of, our praise, not just solely around the table on Sunday morning, but every minute of every day, our lives should be of service, a living sacrifice, not the sort of service that you do in employment where you go along grumbling or you have to go along because you have to, but we should have a desire in our heart that everything that we do should be on to him. The least things we do, the greatest things that we do should be about service unto him and giving him the honor and the glory. And why do we do it? Verse 5 says, For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Praise him. Give him the honor and the glory. We're going to come around the table I'm going to read some verses and then pray. And if you know the Lord and serve him with all your heart, there's a little cup which we use every week for the past number of weeks. The first layer has a wafer. And if you repeat back the second layer, it has some juice. So I'm going to read 1 Corinthians. And Paul writes, and while we were away, I've been reading about Paul, and I've been encouraged that the thing that encouraged me about Paul was, in this sort of biography or autobiography that I was reading, and everything that Paul did, and every situation he found himself in, when he was in prison, we all know, what did he do? I would be sitting down moaning and groaning about why I was in that state, but Paul was singing praises on his God. And we, when we sing praises unto God, God just doesn't sit there and take it in, but he returns those praises with blessing. Not that we do it to be blessed, but God returns it with blessing. The gates flung open, Paul could have been released. No, but what happened? The jailer and his whole family and many others were saved simply because Paul took time to praise. If you take time to praise, have you loved ones in your family who don't know the Lord? If you take time to praise, are there friends at work who don't know the Lord? God will answer your prayers. So give him the honor and the praise. Let's, let's read. Paul writes, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you for the, the birth of your son, born in a manger, fully carpenter. But we thank you for your plan. We thank you for Calvary. We thank you for the cross. We thank you that our Savior, our Lord prayed, not my will, but thine be done. And Father, we thank you that he went to the cross and gave his life, gave his life for us, that we may find redemption through him. Father, we pray as we take of this wafer, this bread, that we will indeed, as we have been told, remember his death. Paul goes on to write verse 25 in the same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death till he come Father, again, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for our Savior who willingly offered his life as a sacrifice for us. Father, we, remembered, we remember the beatings. We remember his broken body. We remember the blood that trickled down throughout his body. Lord, we thank you that through him we stand here this morning. We stand here this morning to give you the adoration, the praise, the worship, the honor, the glory that is due unto his name and your name. Father, we thank you for your plan of salvation. We thank you that we don't live a life without you, but we live a life in you and through you. And we thank you that each day you're with us and you're promised to be with us throughout all this world to the ends of the earth. And Father, we pray that you will find us to be faithful servants, that on the day that you return or we go to be with you in glory, you will say, enter my faithful servants. Lord, we give you the honor this morning. Lord, we give you the praise, for you are worthy. Amen. Father, again, we just thank you for this time spent in your presence. Oh, Father, we could be many places, but we thank you once again on another Sunday morning that we are found in your house. Bless your servants, Lord. Be with them wherever they go. Be on to them all that they need. And Lord, we're mindful as Pastor Reese would come and bring us the word. Lord, that you would indeed bless him. Give him words from yourself. Anoint him from on high that he may speak the words of God himself. 
Lord, we thank you for being with us. Lord, we thank you for your presence. Amen. Amen. Church, let's stand and worship together.
Church, you may take your seats as we come around the word this morning. Thank you, Rebecca, for leading us in worship. Thank you to Michael for leading us around the table. Um, Good morning, church. It's so good to see um, so many people out at the beginning of July. So it's the time of year when Obviously, people start to go away and things like that. So um, you'll notice Pastor Matt isn't here this morning. That's because he is on holiday. Um, So he's setting off on a cruise, and I've been given the luxury, the privilege of speaking this morning. Why are people laughing? (laughs) You think I'd rather be on the cruise than here? I I don't know where you got that idea. Yes, but it is good to be here, church, and again, thank you for being here. If there are any kids in the room, kind of around primary school age, I know Rebecca said at the start, but we do have kids space. Um, Also, for any kids that are younger and um, you want to make use of it, we have a parent room um, there as well where you can see and hear everything that's going on in the service. Um, Just a few things I want to begin with, announce at the start. Um, On Tuesday night, uh, we kick off... Um, basically a series of prayer over the summer. So every Tuesday except for um, Tuesday the 12th for obvious reasons. Um, Every Tuesday we're going to be studying prayer together and of course we will be praying together as well over the summer month. So this Tuesday we'll be looking at why do we pray and there's a different start time. It begins at 7.30. Um, It begins at 7.30, so if you're here ready to go at 7.30 this Tuesday, then we'll meet and we'll pray together. And can I encourage um, as many people as possible to come and to join us in prayer? We don't make anybody pray out loud. Um, We don't do anything like that. Yes, sometimes it's set up a little bit differently. We want to encourage people to pray, but we don't make anybody do anything. Um, But we simply know that we have many things that we want to bring to God and many things we want to give thanks to God for and of course um, there's power in us gathering together and praying and we'll be studying that during the summer too so I'll encourage you Tuesday night at half seven, seven thirty. Um, last Sunday night we had our youth service um, where we were raising money toward um, the youth going away this summer on the conferences, we raised £1,217, which was absolutely brilliant. So I want to say thank you so much um, on behalf of the youth for everybody who gave or was even involved in the setup and stuff of that night. We really do appreciate it and that's going to go a long way toward bringing the young people away this summer. Church, we have a new series um, beginning uh, today 
and its highs and lows. And what this series looks like is each service we're going to take we're going to take somebody from the Bible and we're going to talk about aspects of their lives, moments in their lives, maybe describe a bit about who they are and what it was that the Bible records that they did. And highs and lows simply looks like um, looking at those moments in their lives that we could consider the spiritually high moments, the, the successes, the things that they did well. And we'll also look at the lows, the things that maybe didn't go so well, those, those, those struggles that they had in their lives, um, those times when perhaps things weren't as they should have been. Um, and so today we're looking at Moses, but I actually just wanted to begin. I had this thought as we're standing there, and you know, we're looking at some incredible men and women of faith um, over the next few weeks. And and I don't know about you, but and there's a weird part of me whenever you talk about spiritual success, but you also talk about the fact that these people maybe had their moments where it was like, "What are you doing?" or "Why are you doing that?" or they had their struggles as well, and. And it's almost like it makes you feel a little bit better about yourself. And I want to explain what I mean by that. It doesn't mean that I take joy in other people's failures. I think it's, it's, but there's a human part of us where it's just nice to know that we are not alone. That all of us, that even these great men and women of faith that we talk about, they have moments in their lives where they stumble and where they struggle. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at that together. And today, um, I've been given Moses. And why? Why Moses? Well, Moses, in the book, the book of Hebrews, it gives us an account of some of Moses' greatest moments. And the fact that Moses is included among, amongst great men and women of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 is probably as good a reason as any to include him. And he gets a pretty lengthy portion. In Hebrews chapter 11, it lists, um, it lists great people of faith through the Old Testament. And Moses, he, he gets a decent chunk of that. It describes a few verses here. There's six verses. It describes um, Moses and some of his greater moments of faith. And, and so in, and when you read through Hebrews 11, there's, there's a decent amount of people there, and there's not many who get as much of a mention as this guy. And so we're going to read today, first of all, from Moses, from sorry, Hebrews chapter 11. I'm beginning at verse 23. It says this, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the, the destroyer of the firstborn might not 
touch them. Church, allow me to pray and we'll begin to look at Moses' life. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for great men and women of faith. We thank you for examples. God, we thank you for testimonies. And Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all of this that is an encouragement to us. It is a blessing to us. It is a challenge to us. And God, I pray that today, that, that as we are here and we look at your word, God, would you help us to look past our imperfections, God, and see your perfection in your word. God, help us to understand what it is that you're trying to say. God, we pray that today, that, that we would glorify you through studying your word, God, and through being together. I thank you for each person that is in this place today. Thank you, God, that you've brought them here. I pray, God, that today would be a significant day in their lives for your kingdom. It's in your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. So church, we'll study the faith of Moses in a second because obviously that's why he's included here. He's a great man of faith and so he's included in this list of people with incredible faith. But I want to start with maybe what seems like a bit of a side note. I want to start how these verses begin because they talk about when he was born. They talk about the beginning of his life. And, and it goes on to say there in that verse, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. And so it refers to when he was born, and it refers to the beginning of his life, and it refers to his parents. You see, Moses was fortunate enough to be born to believing parents. And I think that this is a lesson to all parents that although faith can't be inherited, although faith can't be inherited, you never know how an atmosphere of faith can impact a child's life. When you're willing to dedicate that child to God, you never know what God might do with that. What an atmosphere of faith can do. What God can do with faithfulness. Even though Moses' birth parents weren't there for very long, they had an impact because of the decision they made to trust in God. Because of their faith in God, they could see how their son was different. And so an act of faith over his life led him to become a hero of faith. A lesson to parents. That, that what we do, even in the earliest stages, it matters. And, and the choices that we make as parents, they absolutely matter. And, and obviously, as I've said, Moses is included in those who are great men and women of faith. And so we're going to talk about the faith of Moses. And there's three great themes relating to his faith that are seen in his life that are included in this passage the first of which is the refusal of faith it begins our verse 24 it says by faith Moses when he was grown up refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin Moses could have had an easy life. 
He could have had a much easier life than he chose. His adopted mother was an Egyptian princess. He could have had status from the offset, from the very beginning. He could have had all of the riches and all of the things that come with being part of a royal family. This is where this refusal of faith comes in. See, his faith moved him to refuse that kind of life. To refuse this this royal life. To refuse riches. To refuse easiness. He chose instead to identify with God's people. He wanted to identify not only with somebody else. Not only with another people. He wanted to identify with people who were suffering. And And so he has this refusal of faith in verse 25 there that we've highlighted it talks about the pleasures of sin because his faith moved him to refuse a certain kind of life but this phrase it doesn't just cover it doesn't just cover the the nasty things that would immediately come to our minds it doesn't just just cover those those things that we would deem like awful it, it describes a way of life that today we would deem successful. When it talks about the pleasures of sin there, it describes a type of life that we actually strive toward. Or that man would strive toward. It's talking about position. It's talking about prestige. It's talking about power. It's talking about wealth and freedom from problems. That's what it's saying about these pleasures of sin. That's what it means when it uses that phrase. See, these are the things that Moses refused. He didn't just like refuse this, this um, amazing lifestyle. He refused, he refused position in a worldly sense. He refused power in the sense of this world. And he refused freedom from problems. He could have, he could have had a life which was virtually issue free. And that's not what he chose. See, true faith should lead believers to hold the right values and make the right decisions. Now, we don't always do that, and neither does Moses, and we'll come on to that later. But church, the easy thing and the right thing are not normally the same thing. Even in the simplest of things, you talk about as a, as a Christian and as a believer... You want to simply, let's, let's begin at the start. What do we encourage people to do when they get saved? Read your Bible, come to church and to pray. Those things sound simple. And yet often it's difficult to, to do that in a day. Or we find it difficult to do that in a day to fit into our everyday reading the Bible. To fit in praying. We, we find that hard. We find that difficult, and that's, that would seem an easy thing to do. The easy thing and the right thing are not normally the same thing. 
Sometimes the, the right thing to do, the godly thing to do, it requires a step of faith. It requires a little bit of difficulty. You might sweat a little. You might feel a little bit uncomfortable. But do what it is that you know God wants you to do. Do your best to be faithful to him. Just as we have heard that Moses was. Church, when we're faced with decisions about our lives, let us always choose what we believe brings glory to God. Our reward is eternal. Don't live your life doing the easy thing. Having true faith often means having that refusal of faith. And having faith dictate which option you choose rather than easiness. That refusal of faith will sometimes get us to give up things that look pretty good. Sometimes we'll have to choose an option which might not be the easiest option. Do what it is that brings glory to God. It's as simple as that, but living that out is certainly not easy. Church, we then have what's called the reproach of faith. In verse 26 there it says, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. And reproach simply means, it means the disapproval or the anger of others in its simplest terms. And, and whatever then comes with that, if people don't approve of what you're doing, if they're angry with what you're doing, then obviously beyond that there will be consequences. Moses considered that it was better to endure the penalty, to endure reproach that he suffered by identifying with the Jewish people than to be Egyptian royalty. In the hope of seeing the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham, which God used Moses to help bring about by leading the Jewish people out of slavery in Egypt and toward the promised land. Moses wants to see the promise of God fulfilled. Moses wants to see God's promise to Abraham lived out. And so that requires this reproach of faith. It requires people being against him. If they aren't against him, then he knows that he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. And the writer of Hebrews is making the point that Moses himself, he was a prophetic forerunner of Christ. Because Christ voluntarily became a human being, giving up the majesty and splendor that he possessed as part of the Godhead for the reproach that he endured during his earthly life to the point of crucifixion and death. Because he was looking forward to the reward that he would receive in the form of his resurrection from the dead, that which was promised, and in the way in which that atoning death and resurrection would serve as God's means of offering eternal life to anyone who would put their faith 
in him. Anyone who would put their faith in him. And Michael was incredibly encouraging there around the table. Just as a reminder of how privileged we are that God would choose us. That God would save us. Who am I? Who are we? We are God's chosen. We are his children. Thank you God for saving me. Moses left the palace and he never looked back. He never went back to his old life. Moses identified with Jewish slaves rather than royalty. All throughout the Bible and history, we read that men and women of faith often have to bear reproach and suffering. The apostles, they suffered for their faith. We read countless, we read countless um, accounts of men and women who suffer for their faith. And church, if reproach is evidence for faith, then we have to wonder sometimes how much faith there is today. How much of that do we see? Moses was certainly an example of tremendous faith in living the life that he chose to live. Because he had that refusal and he had that reproach And the reason for this is what we are coming on to now. The reward of faith. He was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. God is rewarding true faith. There is a reward for true faith. And I don't want to be misinterpreted when I say that. We don't, we, don't, we don't get these things. It's not about that. It's not about making a step of faith and then like waiting to receive our gift. We just simply know that it's there. We know that we will inherit it. Ultimately, true faith will be rewarded. Over the treasures of Egypt, Moses saw his reward in Christ. Moses saw the reward of Christ over everything else. Moses chose the imperishable, saw the invisible, and did the impossible. Moses had faith to face Pharaoh. Without fear, because he trusted God to deal with his enemy. And by nature, Moses wasn't necessarily this this big character that we know him as. God, God, if you will, made him that way. God almost, he gave him that stature. But Moses in himself was withdrawn and hesitant, but he was rewarded with endurance and courage when he applied faith to his life. 
And the experience of Moses, it's proof that true biblical faith means obeying God in spite of circumstances and in spite of consequences. Sometimes we don't, we don't make the right step because of, because of what we are in, what life is like now. Sometimes we don't make the right decision because we know what that will lead to. Listen, if it glorifies God, if it brings glory to his name, if it is what he has told you to do, take that step of faith. So Moses, at his spiritual high, at his, at his best for, for lack of a better phrase, he is healed as leader of the Exodus, the one through whom God delivered his people from Egyptian slavery. To Moses, God entrusted the law. And Jesus demonstrated that Moses foreshadowed his own work as the Messiah. And we read in the New Testament in John chapter 3, it says, As Moses lifted up, Jesus says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Thank you, God, for eternal life. It's, it's important that we don't take that for granted. That we don't, we don't miss that. In the, st- in, in, in the circumstances of talking about these big steps of faith and these big decisions that we will make in our lives, it's important to not forget that, that us being saved is not just a simple thing. We are given eternity because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Who are we? That God would set us free from our sin through his son, Jesus. In Deuteronomy 34, we read that God himself buried Moses. We are also told that since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Yet Moses, for all his blessings and and spiritual successes, He was not allowed to enter the promised land with the very people that he had led. And we're going to explain why. And you know what's interesting is that we talk about we talk about these these moments in which we stumble. And there's actual there's actually several things that we could have looked at from the life of Moses. There's there's several times. We could have looked at things that he did in his life that we, we, maybe, we, we maybe wonder why. Or we look at that and we go, that's not as, as he should have done. It's interesting that we could have picked several moments. And yet later in the New Testament, this man's still described as a hero of faith. The moments in which we stumble, the moments in which we have these lows, church, they don't define us. 
We'll explain that as we go on. Moses doesn't get to enter the promised land. That doesn't strip him of his title of a hero of faith. That does not mean that he was not faithful to God. As us, church, he has his moments. And we'll read that Deuteronomy 32, 51 to 52. This is because... You broke faith with me in the presence of the Israelites at the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the desert of Zin. And because you did not uphold my holiness among the Israelites, therefore you will see the land only from a distance. You will not enter the land I am giving to the people of Israel. So Moses doesn't get to enter the promised land. And this explains why. Church God was true to his promise. He showed Moses the promised land, but he did not let him enter it. The the incident at the waters that he's talking about there, it's recorded in Numbers chapter 20. Nearing the end of their 40 years of wandering, the Israelites came to the desert. There was no water And the community turned against Moses and Aaron. Moses and Aaron went to the tent of meeting and they fell on their faces before God. And God then told Moses, take the staff and assemble the congregation. You and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. So Moses takes the staff, he gathered the men, then seemingly in anger, Moses said to them, listen you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses struck the rock twice with his staff. Water came from the rock just as God had promised, but God immediately told Moses and Aaron that because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. Because they failed to trust him enough to honor him as holy, they would not bring the children of Israel into the promised land. Church, the punishment may seem harsh to us, but when we look closely at Moses' actions, we see several mistakes. The first is maybe the most obvious. Moses disobeyed a direct command from God. He did not do as God had asked. God had commanded Moses to speak to the rock, and instead he strikes it. And again, it seems harsh that then he would not get to enter the promised land after all that faithful service to God. But allow me to explain what that actually meant. Because earlier in Exodus 12, God had brought water from a rock. He instructed Moses to strike it with a staff. But God's instructions weren't the same here. He didn't tell him to do that. God wanted Moses to trust him. And especially after all these years of God being faithful to him, God simply asked Moses to trust him. After they had been in such close relationship, 
for such a long time. But Moses, he didn't need to use force. He simply needed to obey God and know that God would be true to his promise. And then second, Moses took the credit for bringing forth the water. And you might, have, you might have missed that in those verses. He, he asked the people gathered at the rock, must we bring you water out of this rock? Moses seems to be taking credit for the miracle himself. Well, him and Aaron, instead of remembering to attribute it to God, Moses does this publicly in front of Israel. God could not let it go and expect the Israel, the Israelites to understand his holiness. And what's interesting is, as we read into the New Testament, the water-giving rock is used as a symbol of Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4. It says, and, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. So in the New Testament, the water-giving rock is, is used as a symbol of Jesus. The rock was struck in Exodus 17 and verse 6. It says, Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Just like Christ was crucified once. Hebrews 7, it says he has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily. First for his own sins and then for those of the people. Since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. Moses speaking to the rock in Numbers 20, it could have been meant as a picture of prayer. Jesus was struck once and he continues to provide living water to those who pray in faith to him. When Moses angrily struck the rock, he destroyed that. And in effect, and symbolically, he crucified Christ again. That's not what God told him to do. That's the magnitude of this. He did not obey God. Moses' punishment for disobedience, for pride, and for the misrepresentation of Christ's sacrifice, it was steep. But that was warranted. He was barred from entering the promised land, yet we do not see Moses complain. He doesn't complain about his punishment, and instead what he does is he continues to faithfully lead the people as God intends. In his holiness, God is compassionate. He invited Moses up to the mount where he showed his beloved prophet the promised land before his death. It records it in Deuteronomy 34 verses 4 to 5. Then the Lord said to him, 
This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. When I said I will give it to your descendants, I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. Church, Moses' failure at the rock, it did not negate or break his relationship with God. Moses is still a man of faith. And he is still faithful to God. God continued to use this prophet. He continued to love him. And he continued to love him with tenderness. And God shows him the land as he had promised to him. And God fulfills the promise that he had given to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. They would receive the land which they were promised. They would inherit the land in which God told them that they were promised. Moses would lead them there. He just would not enter it. God still allowed him to see it. So church, Moses is still a man of faith despite his stumble, despite the fact that he disobeys God he is still God's child and he is still treated as such church he is still a man of God and he is still treated as such and we're going to sing a song to close our service and there's a line in it in this song it simply sings about faithfulness And it talks about how faithful God is to us. And there's a line that says, You finished all you started in me. And see, what what God had done with Moses through his whole life, he had used him, he had brought him to this point, and he finished what he started. There's the promised land, Moses. You've led the people here. And they will enter it. I'll finish what I started in you. God will finish what he has started. God will fulfill his promises. Because church, he is faithful. And he never gives up on us. Church, can I invite you to stand to your feet? We're going to worship together. You are faithful, you never give up, you never give up on me. You are able to finish all you started in me. You are stable through every change that this life can bring. you
church lord thank you for your faithfulness and your word god thank you how it consistently encourages us god god how how we know who you are and what you have done god and what you will always do god we thank you for this new series through which god you're going to teach us Lord, I thank you that you are our constant, that you are our stability, God. And God, I thank you that we pray, believing to the God who is able. It's in your son's holy and precious name we give thanks. 